Mike and Diana got to play some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R H A P B M B. Mike and Diana got to play some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. Everybody and welcome to the RHAP B&B for episode seven of Survivor Island of the Idols. My name is Mike Bloom here to wrap up. I would call maybe an all-time pre-merge just in terms of eventfulness. Of course, we have a motley crew to break down this very packed episode. First, as always, the co-owner of the B&B, Liana Boris. Liana, how are you? I'm uh, very happy to be here. And I'm also very happy that somebody, Janet, finally cracked the code on the Island of the Idols. It's the Island of the Idols. Huh? Huh? For some Get reason, it? and I, this is just how demented my brain is. I thought you were going to make a, a crack about her flashing the try when she came back on the boat. Uh, but I guess many people had moments of inspiration this episode. And we were struck with a moment of inspiration when we decided to bring this absolutely fantastic person back. You may know her from a lot of stuff. She is everywhere. She is more everywhere than Kelly was in this episode. Mary Holland, welcome back to the B&B. How you doing? Oh, my gosh. I, I- I'm doing great. I just blushed at being compared to Kelly. That really, <laughs> that really, um, at being mentioned in the same sentence as her just made my whole day. I think she's fabulous. So thank you for that. Of course. <laughs> what an intro. So, I mean, outside of Survivor, you know, it's been about a year. Uh, actually, I think a little bit more than a, or less than a year since we last talked. We last talked in the post-merge of David versus Goliath, another, another similarly crazy, odd-numbered season. Uh, how sure. has life been for you, Survivor-based and otherwise? Uh, life has been wonderful. Life has been great. Uh, been working a bunch here and there, which is, which is always a pleasure. And then... Um, uh, yeah, have been so enjoying uh, these past few seasons of Survivor. I feel like they've really, um, with David and Goliath and then Edge of Extinction and now the Island of the Idols, they're really playing around with the format in a way that I appreciate. I love that they're taking these risks as a production and, and really um, swinging for the fences. So how do you feel about the Island of the Idols twist specifically? Because I know there's been, yeah. you know, some hemming and hawing about it. I want to get your opinion. Well, I'll hem and haw on it a little bit. <laughs> I, uh, I actually, I really enjoyed it, but I will say I had my own, um, I, I had my own prediction of what I thought Island of the Idols was going to be. And I actually wanted to bring it up to you guys to mm. hear what you would think about it. What I thought it was going to be was that there would be a Sandra team and there would be a Boston Rob team mm. and they would not necessarily that they, those would be the two separate tribes, but that there would be sort of their, their like little pod of mentees that they would then mentor. And I thought it was going to be a lot more involved where they would be, you know, giving advice and commentary as the game was being played. I, I didn't anticipate this being a sort of it's a 
it will only happen a few times when somebody will go visit both of them and they'll both teach them the same lesson. And then it's up to the player to implement it in their game, which I, I also think is, is fascinating and has, um, has made for some really great moments, but, but yeah, I, I just thought they were going to be so much more involved or, or even like, even like cutting back and forth to them doing commentary, like I thought they were going to be watching what's happening at the beaches and if not interacting with the players, at least sort of uh, giving us their thoughts on what's going on, you know? Mm. Oh my gosh. Actually, I would have loved to have seen a draft between Boston right. Rob and Sandra. Well, like an old, you know, Sandra was trying to do that. This, she was trying to do this this episode, though. You saw her sort of goad Rob of like, yeah. hey, make a bet that a man's going to win. So I'll take a woman. And he's like, I'm not going to do that. Stop it treat your arms you got poison ivy uh so i i think that you know it's it's a very interesting concept and there actually was an international season mary where they had two south african sports stars who each led tribes and it was sort of like before this season that was probably the closest equivalent uh to it except of course they're two random sports guys that have no idea what survivor (laughs) is let alone how it works that's so interesting though because i mean uh from you know the i think the the environment that Liana and I have sort of encapsulated ourselves in. It really has been like this entire season. People were like, thank God we're not focusing on Rob and Sandra. And I don't want to put words in your mouth necessarily, but I think you were expecting a lot more of Rob and Sandra specifically, you know, in, involving themselves in this season than what we got, which was, I mean, this segment this week might have been the shortest Island of Idols segment we've had all season. Maybe it's because Janet just outright refused the deal. Right, right. I mean, I well, I just am such fans of those guys. It it just to me is like, okay, what's the what's the point of what's happening? Be beyond it's a, sort of a mechanism for advantages to be distributed. Or um, I'm I'm just I feel like the lessons are good lessons, but it's it's not it the they're not it's not so immediate the use of the lesson. Mm. In you, you know what I mean? It just sort of feels like what's the point of this? (laughs) Like they're just over there on this Island and we see them sometimes. I don't, I don't know. Uh, So I guess I would like to see them more involved if we're going to have, if, I mean, they have giant faces (laughs) on this Island. It feels like. (laughs) Right. Like if you're going to lug them all the way out there, you Uh know, and I, you know, I know they brought them from their personal homes that they, they each have that statue. You know, I'm sure it costs so much in shipping to get it to Fiji. Um, it Actually, as you were uh, describing that other, that international season, Mike, I just remembered an old season of Survivor with Stephanie LaGrosa. Yeah. At the second time, she and... Um, um, Bobby John. Bobby John. Thank you. They were sort of, I, I guess it was maybe the closest it came to that where it was like, they, they were, you know, heavy hitters from the previous season and they've come back and they're each going to lead a try. Um, yeah. 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 It was, it was interesting. Cause that's sort of, and that I think examples like that and like redemption Island and South Pacific have definitely prompted a lot of speculation, especially in the preseason of like, Oh, will they're going to end up playing the game. I think, now the commentary has luckily waned away from that. And definitely now, yeah. especially in lieu of Jack becoming the first member of the jury being way more, way more towards, okay, now they're definitely voting 
uh, at the end of the game, which I will oh, def- yeah. if that ends up happening. I'll definitely have some opinions on it. I know. I'm not sure that that I'm not sure that I'm not convinced that it's going that direction. Um, I here's one more thing I'll say about it is that I think what could have been cool um, is if the players each got they they get like one chance to sit down with one of these mentors, tell them their situation and get advice on what their next move should be. So it's almost like you get a special like um, Sandra card or a special Boston Rob card, and you can only use it once in the whole game. Ooh. If you're feeling particularly stuck on a situation, because I would just love to hear them. We, we haven't heard them really game out specifically what's, happening in the tribes you know what i mean it's just sort of general thoughts on this is how you play survivor calculated make fire (laughs) no but it's not um it's not like okay so when she does this you do that which is kind of what i was hoping for yeah because i guess the closest that we've gotten to that was almost this episode with uh with janet where she was like look this is my situation but even that wasn't the specifics i would love the sort of guidance counselor sandra you know where you get to come in and be like this is my situation you know what do i do here in this specific situation exactly yeah i I love this idea of like the boston robin sandra business cards and if right. you like, you, you put it, you put it in tree mail and like, then they'll receive it and you'll be able to like have office hours with them. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Mary calculated risk is a great lesson as they learned about from a man that they thought at this point was voted out of the game uh, in a moment that had yet not aired on television. Uh, that that blew my mind, by the right. way. Well, for a number right. of reasons, because so when uh, I went out there to Fiji to interview them at that point, before going into the game, they'd watched four episodes of Survivor Edge of Extinction. So they'd watched they okay. just watched Rick Devins go home. Imagine if we showed them oh. that clip and it was Rick Devins versus Chris Underwood in the final four uh-huh. when those were the last two guys voted out. They would be extremely confused by that. They would be like, what is it? happening yeah like the wrong wrong season right like yeah yeah, they're doing this back in ponderosa right this is not the actual season uh this is not actually how the season ended oh right yeah right right oh man well that's really funny we have so so much stuff to get into this was a crazy episode i guess before we start getting into you know our segment stuff liana we talked a bit about you know last week i think a lot of people felt like it was an old time where i think uh you very correctly maybe brought up maybe some some holes that could have been poked in the actual outcome with jason's boot and i, I don't know how last week could have been outdone but a lot of people are saying this week did what, what was your opinion on this episode uh yeah i mean this was uh we didn't really know what to expect there was sort of the ominous preview from jeff probes that you know oh this is how survivor stays relevant blah 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 and like i really didn't know what to expect from this but the fact that this conversation about you know how men and women are perceived in survivor like the fact that this was something that we got to hear was just really really nice i mean these two episodes back to back i think highlight something that's so important which is the fact that survivor is still relevant and like uh, karishma said is this microcosm of the real world um and i think we're sort of moving past this whole like oh okay you know women's alliance is just empowering in general it's like oh women yeah hey yeah yay women 
It's like, okay, there's more nuance than that. You know, Janet's whole thing, which I, oh my God, I'm like, Janet is my winner pick now. Let's mm. go, Janet. The yeah. quote about to assume women, women are going to bond based on gender is demeaning to women. That like yeah. they can't make their own opinions. Like, oh, oh, okay, you all are the same, you know, sex. Well, of course you're going to get along. And that to me was just rah, rah. Let me, you know, cheer for you. It was so, so nice to see. Yeah, I I agree. And I, I also feel like it, the, the idea, the verbiage of all these girls are going to get together and women's alliance. And, and when Jamal said, um, I know how dangerous women can be when they get together and realize their power. It's like, what? It, it, it feels, um, it feels it, it, I'm so glad that that Kelly called him out on it and it led to this conversation because I think he really thinks he's giving a compliment. Like yes. he thinks he's, sort of, mm-hmm. uh, he's saying, Oh, women could be powerful if they, you know, when they get together, but that, what that implies is that individually we're not powerful. And then, and also the, 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 the calling us dangerous is it just feels so exactly what we're fighting against with the patriarchy is like women aren't dangerous. This idea of like, Oh, you know, periods and hormones, hormones, and they're hysterical and they're crazy and they're, they're emotional and they're, they're just, they're witches. They're dangerous. It's, it's all, all of that, um, that how, women have been painted by the patriarchy for centuries is is in that word and dangerous yeah it's so it's so interesting because uh i mean first of all very interesting episode for jamal i think he might be one of the most complexly edited people i've seen ever on survivor considering that last week he has this like extremely beautiful and great message about you know racial dynamics and even outside this conversation earlier on in the episode you know he's a bit brusque with people like kelly and nora you know uh not reading that kelly wants to do the fire and being like oh she said that she didn't really want to do it so let me take over uh you know sort of his uh his remarks to nora certainly brush up against her and i do think and and kelly even acknowledges this in the conversation like she even does a little bit of a precursor to her fantastic speech by being like you know this that sounds so sexist not to accuse you of being sexist and i i do think that it was not a great statement on Jamal's part. I totally agree that I think specifically the thing of like, I work with women. Uh, I know what yeah. they're capable of is like, that's a very, if we're speaking about coded language. Like that is not something good to say, even though his intentions are good. He says at the very end, like just how beaming with pride he is at, you know, this stuff. And I, you know, after the fact, I think uh, people like Kelly and Janet have been very supportive of Jamal saying that, you know, he did come from a good place and he's not the problem. This, we wanted right. to use this opportunity to, to voice things. But I mean, I would love to hear from the two of you. And, you know, I, I, I want to address this in the in the very beginning. We're obviously going to talk about a lot of stuff in this tribal council. But I mean, you both come from businesses and fields that are, are predominantly male oriented. And I can only imagine what you've experienced and how that really much like Liana says and Karishma mentions, like how much it mirrors some of this discourse that happens in Survivor, specifically in this episode regarding, you know, the way certain genders are viewed, how that impacts the way you view their game and summarily how that impacts the way you view them as a threat. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, from my perspective, I that uh, the the whole lumping women together as one category is probably the most frustrating thing, mm-hmm. um, because you know it's like, oh well, the, you know the 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 women, you know, and it's not that you're not treating them as individuals, like you're treating them as some sort of category. Because what happens is when you're in a you know a minority within a group, you do kind of get lumped together because people make these assumptions based on oh this is a commonality between the group. Um, and then, you know, that can be for some reason intimidating. Um, and the whole, honestly, the whole Jamal thing with the, I work for a school, which it just, for some reason, it made me think that he was bullied by a bunch of middle school girls. <laughs> yeah. like, They're I, extremely dangerous. I, yeah. I know the power when they get together. Uh, I don't know. Have you seen Pen15? There can be some real mean kids uh, out there in middle school. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that's sort of like the biggest thing that I've experienced. I think also just uh, on a little bit of a tangent is that I think what Jamal's complex edit displays is the fact that just because you're quote unquote, like woke about something doesn't mean you're necessarily woke about everything. And Absolutely. I think there are so many different things that we can learn and so many different issues. And it's not like, oh, just because I feel comfortable dealing with gender issues, you know, maybe I'm, you know, not as familiar with race issues or socioeconomic issues and discrimination that comes as a part of that. And I feel like that's almost what Jamal's edit is demonstrating that that we all have so much to learn, you know, even though, okay, I feel comfortable with this. Well, there's another realm that maybe you still need to learn about. Yeah, I think that's such a great point, Liana. Um, And to speak to my perspective in my particular field about the generalization of women, you really see it starting to evolve now in the conversations that are happening about characters in TV shows or movies and scripts and, and whether or not the women are actually characters or Mm -hmm. are they just, are they just a sounding board for a male character? Are they just, um, and, and I feel like you, you see this in a ton of movies from previous decades of just like kind of a generic woman character. Like there's no, doesn't really have a personality, doesn't really have her own wants or needs. She she exists purely to show some other aspect of a male char- character or, you know, something he aspires to or be a love interest for him. Or, um, and I feel like what I've been noticing, even in the, the time that I've been in this industry, is that that is not okay anymore. People are not um, content with that. And those roles, those scripts are being talked about and changed. And it's there is a huge shift happening, um, even in just the way women characters are written. So, yeah, it's it's so cool that this conversation is happening and that Survivor Survivor is so relevant. And and I really applaud production that um, I, I heard Cass talk about this with Rob Sister Nino of how production is evolving. And, and you know, I know it, it, it's a heavily male crew and, you know, maybe there will be an effort to have more female producers or executives or crew members so that this does continue to get better and, and change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm really... 
Go ahead, Leanna. Well, I think that's also part of why diversity in general is a good thing yeah. because you have people that come from different backgrounds that can help represent the story in different ways or can be sure to capture moments or catch little things. Um, you know, like exactly like Cass was talking about, Mary, that you point out where, you know, when when you're going for a walk with, uh, you know, four other, you know, male camera members, you know, maybe you may behave differently. Right. And so you catch sort of these little things like Jamal was talking about with microaggressions. It's like these little things that are yeah. systemic that you really need somebody to come in and think about maybe this isn't great maybe we need to change this up yeah, yeah. And, and this this panel in particular of you know uh lyra women was also really interesting to your note leon like a really interesting cross-section and you look at the two ends of tribal council and the two people who really spoke up just so fantastically about this and, you, and kelly and janet and i know i talked about this on another podcast i was on earlier this week like on paper they cannot be more unlike you know, you have a 20 something person who just started business school after, you know, uh, leaving a career in the medical field. And you have a near 60 year old woman. It's been a chief lifeguard for decades of her life, but they're able to connect literally across the set and just like almost across the world in their shared experiences and knowing that, OK, you know, we may come from different walks of life, but we do have this in common and you know we we've seen that in all these different pairs i mean we spoke about this last week but the late rudy bosch and richard hatch they came from extremely different walks of life but they were able to connect over this idea of work ethic and you know both having military backgrounds and that's that's the that's the beauty of survivor and this was just i mean like last week i think what also really helped this particular conversation is that it really was respectful from all sides like again even even jamal who said the offending comment like does he does explain things a bit and admittedly, you know, maybe his argument is helped by a, a bit by the fact that in this case there was, uh, and from Nora's perspective, a, an alliance of women that happened to be coming against him. But even he was like, okay, I realize the mistakes that I'm making, you know, this is helping me learn as well. And, and that's just something I really like about this cast. You know, again, they're all coming from different walks of life, but they're embracing the survivor experience in so many ways. And one of them being allowing these interactions with other people to change them as people yeah. just down to the bone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I it's uh it's actually really nice to see because both with last week and with this week, the party who is being um criticized essentially, uh you know, they listen to the criticism instead of just immediately becoming defensive. And like that attitude even more so is so nice to see because that's the only way you're going to change. You, you know, the people need to be able to say something, but you also need to be able to listen. Um, And so it's just, it's really cool. It makes me want to be a better person. You guys. (laughs) I know me too. Uh, Are you going to like adopt a puppy or something? I don't know how to do this. Be nice to someone. I guess that's probably better. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the sliding scale, right? Of, yeah. of, of doing things in the world. I, I mean, I want to go back to Mary's comment about, you know, I think the preciousness of, I know particularly in the comedy world, like you said, there's a great talk about inclusivity uh, from all sides as of late. But that sort of brings me to, I, I want to speak about, you know, the Jeff perspective, particularly connecting to like, is this conversation happening because of the burgeoning role in women? Because there's some awesome stuff going on outside of survivor but i'm not entirely sure that this conversation was predicated on it you know and maybe it's just because in the past we've had so many fantastically strong female people cat female people you know women cast over the the near two decades of survivor that i don't know if this is a 
modern day trend in particular, I feel like this conversation is, and I feel like it's because, you know, since there has been such a lengthened history, and as Kelly mentions very accurately, uh, much more talk than there is actual evidence of, uh, you know, the fear of a woman's alliance. Like, this was just more of a push-comes-to-shove thing. So, I mean, I can acknowledge, you know, Jeff's sort of playing the producer role, as Cass says, maybe going for that Oprah Winfrey moment of trying to connect it to the outside (laughs) world. I I can't put words in the people's mouths that were there. I don't know if that decision was affected by that as much as it was sort of looking back on multiple years of survivor history and sort of speaking up and being like, no, 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 let me put my foot down now. This is bullshit and it has been bullshit. Right. Well, I also think uh, another thing that's happening this season that's, that is interesting and and is, um, is very pertinent to this conversation is the what's happening with Dan and the way mm-hmm. he's uh, touching women <laughs> in particular without their permission or without explicit consent. Um, yeah, I, I think, I mean, I, I have binged so many old seasons of survivor and it's, Cass makes this point too of like even in her season in Kageyan with Spencer making a comment about her being estrogen fueled. If he made that comment today, the 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 fury with which he'd be met. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I. It is. It feels really particular. Like I don't it, Dan, the whole, everything with Dan. And then this conversation happening, it's just, it all does feel very much informed by, by what's happening out in the world. Yeah. I, uh, I, the Dan thing is more than me too movement. If we're, you know, if we're going to try to relate it to the things that have happened, particularly over this past year, the other one, Mike, to your point is kind of feels like a long time coming. Um, I mean, not that it doesn't reflect our culture, but just, you know, if you're going to try to try to draw exact parallels to the me too movement, like, Oh, okay. Well, it's a little bit of a stretch, (laughs) but you know, it's, uh, it's a good intended thing. So I can support that. Dalton Ross, uh, made a really great point in his recap article this week week about you know why this is happening to kelly's point why is there so much more talk around women's alliance than a a men's alliance and i really think it is that i mean you could argue that there's been a few successful alliances that were made up of all women obviously the black widow brigade is the big one uh there were successful alliances in vanuatu and in one world though you could also argue that you know since the tribes were divided by gender that could almost be more so original tribe related than specifically like you were all women. I want to work with women. But I think, unfortunately, what happened was, you know, you have this one big example of the Black Widow Brigade. And then in the seasons right after that, you have people saying, OK, there can't be a women's alliance now because, you know, what happened last time? And then, unfortunately, it just keeps perpetuating. You know, when you have people going out there who watch the previous seasons and hear talk about a women's alliance, they're going to go out there and also be paranoid about a women's alliance. So it gets to the point where we're making a copy of a copy of a copy to the point where that original image is completely obscured. And now it's just rampant paranoia of something that legitimately has not happened. You could argue 15 seasons, but you could even argue like 23 seasons, you know, almost 12 years since the last time that really happened. But because the paranoia has been so rampant in every season six, since a lot of players go in just thinking like, okay, this is something I do need to think right. about because other players think about it. Mm-hmm. It's like the worst version of telephone ever. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Well, let, let's get into uh, our first segment here, because amidst all this fantastic conversation, on top of that, 
we had this goddamn ridiculous blindside of Jack where two idols got played. Uh, Kelly gave one to Dean. My poor idol ends up going out of the game when Jamal plays it on Nora, which <laughs> is insane. But right. I, I want to start with Jack and go to our preseason predictions here because I would say, you know, this is an extremely unique cast in so many ways, but I would say of all the cast, Jack probably drew the most comparisons to previous people. And he acknowledged that in my interview with him. Of Obviously, there is the Joe comparison. It's the most immediate, especially given his appearance on Edge of Extinction. Oh, yeah. So, so Liana, I am really intrigued to hear how you think <laughs> he was going to do. Like, did you did you buy into type? Did you think he would go against the grain in any way? Oh, man. All right. Here we go. This oh, is no. my prediction for Jack. <laughs> this is my prediction for Jack. Um, So he answered in what soup are you with chicken and dumplings? OK, I had Jack as my winner pick. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this was a rough episode well, for did, me. I mean, does it help, Liana, that like my winner pick and your winner pick were like BFFs until the day that unfortunately Jack ended up walking down that pier. <laughs> yeah, that does make me feel a little better. Um, okay, so here's my prediction with for for Jack. Uh, Jack got along with everyone, and I mean everyone, even the survivor reward chickens. His social game propelled him to the win, even though his strategic game left much more to be desired. Think Fabio type winner. His sacrifice of giving up the loved one's reward warmed the hearts of his tribe mates and America like chicken soup for the soul. He almost got all the jury votes, including votes from the Split Pea Soup Alliance and the Alphabet Soup Alliance, but he failed to get the votes from the Chili Threesome Alliance because he stated at the final tribal council that chili is not a soup. Ooh, <laughs> hot take, much like the soup. Exactly, the hot soup bar take. <laughs> Wait, that I is... Go ahead, Mary. I do still anticipate Chili coming up at Final Tribal, though, even though I think Chili, whether or not it's a soup, will will definitely be. <laughs> well, here's, well, here's the thing, Mary, and I'm, I'm very intrigued because I asked that soup question to everybody, and I'm legitimately curious as to how much camp talk, especially in those first few days, was like, did you get asked that soup question by that yeah. weird guy beforehand? <laughs> so, like, it could be a thing, legitimately. It could be. Oh, I hope it is. <laughs> it's so interesting, Liana, because uh, so I had Jack making the jury, but I said that he would either win or go on the family visit, that he would do oh. the exact opposite. <laughs> I don't know why we both thought like yeah. he'd do something with the family visit. Uh, but I also said that he'd get a drone shot of him climbing a coconut tree because mm -hmm. the biggest thing that he told Josh and I uh, and multiple people out there is like, that's the first thing he wanted to do. Apparently, he did it a, a lot. He it was just never shown in the edit. Uh, and I'd said at least one person would hug him as they voted him out, which I guess <laughs> did happen here. It did. Yeah. It happened. Yes. Ugh, and I said, wow. his, I said his closest ally would be Tommy and his worst enemy would be Dan. I'm I'm so intrigued, Leon, and not to dote too much on your prediction here. But what was it about Jack that made you really want to gun for him here as your winner pick? Well, I thought he would be an inoffensive social winner. And there was just something about him that really stood out to me. I think it was the fact that everybody else had pretty strong personalities. And I thought we might see a lot of pretty crazy, intense gameplay. I mean, kind of what we're seeing now, because I think we talked about this in the preseason where it was like, uh, they're going to play hard. Are they going to play well? Ooh, that's going to be left to be seen. But I think they're going to play hard. And I felt like Jack was somebody who would miss a lot of those bullets. Like he would just be, 
oh, he's in everybody's back pocket. He's friendly with everybody, which is hilarious because that's why he ended up getting voted (laughs) out because he was so friendly with everybody. So just my luck. (laughs) Yeah, that that is that is so interesting. And I mean, I still am not entirely sure as to why Kelly gunned for Jack. I know we got a little bit of, of like, you know, disclosure into it. But I feel like if it's Jack versus Jamal, like the only thing I can think of is. Jamal is the bigger meat shield because he has more enemies. You know, he's always going to be, even if we stay Vokai strong, he's always going to be at least one rung lower than me on the totem pole. I I still am not, because I mean, there's a scene where Jack approaches Kelly and like Kelly even says in confessionals, like, I really trust Jack. Like he has his wholehearted heart into me. And like, and that's why I have to cut it. Like Liana said, one of the reasons why I have adored this pre-merge is just because of all the wackadoo crap that's been going on, but I have no idea if it's good gameplay. And, you know, we shall see as incredibly entertaining as this move was, is it going to bear fruit the way Kelly wants to as soon as the merge hits? Right. Well, I, I think it's so fascinating that Kelly was the one who took who was kind of actively dealing with the lesson that Rob and Sandra were teaching Janet about calculated risk. She even talked about, I I think that what she said was um, I'm taking a big risk and then also risk mitigating at the same time as she was trying to set up this move. Um, I, I know that it does. And I've, you know, hearing the Rob and, um, and uh, Rick Devins discussed this move on Kelly's part and like not, and, and even Cass, I think had said like, I don't know that it's going to bear out the way she wants it to. But I, I actually feel like this was, it was a really, the timing of it was so smart because they're about to go into the merge and it, it sort of feels like she, she kind of set herself up to not have to deal with the, I mean, she will of course have to deal with the consequences, but the next vote will be post merge. So Mm. it's not going to be the same um, mixture of people. I I think it, it was quite smart. And, and I, I even wonder if, Oh, is she, this later was, uh, (laughs) I later realized, Oh no, she's not doing that based on the preview for next week. But is she hoping to like team up with the Lyros, uh, with the old Lyros with Dean and, uh, you know, and start taking out other Vokai. But then there was a clip of her saying, we got to get out the Lyros. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm not sure which, but I, I, I think she's so smart. And I just really, I feel like she, she didn't just make a move to make a big move. Like, I, I think she's too smart for that. I think she had a reason for doing it, even if we we she didn't discuss it too much or we don't see it yeah Yeah. i i I 100% agree with that because you know i went back and and re-watching the episode listening to some of her quotes you know she even says i can't connect with jamal he doesn't want to take me to the end there were more reasons why it seemed like she should take out jamal but i i have to feel like there's there's some reason why like to alienate different groups of people or to fracture things more like i think she's thinking longer term than we got to see and uh in terms of is this gonna blow up or blow over when she gets to the merge i i think 
think it's going to blow over. I'm with you on this. I do I think, too. Yeah, I think there's going to be so much more chaos that's going on. And I think nobody's really going to take the time to investigate the situation when you have these two tribes coming together. If they're sitting on the same beach and they have all this time, nothing's going yeah. on, then it could blow up. But I, yeah, yeah. I think it's going to blow over in this situation. Yes, because there's so many relationships relationships that have to be managed like there's just so much going on yeah yeah i I, i'm of a couple minds about it i mean i i think that you know there are some downsides to the movie at first obviously when i saw the movie i was exhilarated because there's so much interesting stuff going on i mean she unintentionally ended up flushing jamal's idol you know she got someone out of the game that it seems like probably a, a big reason is uh she thought you know uh she wanted to get rid of him down the line but maybe she thought that she didn't have the votes at this moment so she's like okay let me take advantage of the fact where i know the votes are going i think her guiding nora to vote for jack i thought was a great move for so many reasons where you know either nora's gonna take the blame or everyone's just going to be confused about it or they'll say oh well nora was on the bottom so she just sort of threw her vote away because she was afraid that that dean would vote for her and i think she did an amazing job of putting in some acting work, you know, between her, uh, her, her so too. Yeah, between her crying that she did when she came back from, from Island of the Idols in episode two. And now this, like she might have to take home the, 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 the Academy award uh, this season at the end of the day, uh, just for all the performances she's putting on <laughs> the, the one thing that I am nervous about is, and granted exit interviews are done with a lot of hindsight. When I talked with Jack, he said, as soon as that second vote came up for me, I knew Kelly was involved. Of course, he didn't know that Nora was the second vote for him. I think he had assumed that Kelly was, but apparently he said that, you know, Kelly and Dean were just so close at camp that I knew if Dean mm-hmm. had played an idol, because also their assumption is that apparently they thought that all the idols were coming from Island of the Idols. So, you know, right. considering who's been there, they'd be like, oh, yeah, Kelly found an idol and gave it to Dean. So that's Jack's perspective. If anybody else comes to that conclusion as well, yeah. that might not be great news. But like you bring up, I think what's really valuable is I think she has Dean now, which is really interesting. And I know I spoke about this again in another podcast, but I also ha- wonder how much of her decision was predicated on. This is a weird connection, but when she found out that Jason left uh, because Jason opened up to me in his interview last week about how he Kelly was his closest ally. And Uh, I wonder if losing her number one made her think, okay, I need a new number one to the point that you, to the point that you guys are making, like there's a lot of pairs going on in this game. And I wonder if she eyes Dean who she does have this like LinkedIn secondhand connection to off of the Island and is, and he's on the bottom and saying, okay, I can work with this guy. You know, she was the one person to extend an olive branch to him. She's, and she even said this in her confessional, like, even if it's only for a little while, he's going to be loyal to me. Now, yes, Dean does hold the information and could yeah. rat her out if push comes to shove. But you have to think that, you know, the benefits of having a new number one in the game, who's also possibly an alliance on the other side and could, you know, help protect you should it come down to original tribal lines that sort of outweighs the cost of possibly getting outed for this vote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, and she I'll... also, Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say that, well, she also outed to, um, to Dean, the, the plan that Jamal and Jack were lying to him. So, so I, you know, she was like, Hey, they, they've been lying to you. You're that whole moment. I feel like he was like, Oh, those guys have been playing me the whole time. Mm. So I don't know necessarily that 
after this, especially when she saved him. And that's such a positive experience that he's going to turn right back around and be like, hey, she's guess what? She saved me. <laughs> These people who like already, um, you know, he, he doesn't trust anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I know that this is a, a little, maybe a little bit far out, but Jack is the foreman of the jury. And I don't know if he's going to feel, you know, any type of way about this move. He seems like a pretty good sport. So I don't think it would negatively impact her. But that's also something to keep in mind. Although, you know, yeah. how would they have known that? My gosh, the yeah. first person before uh, merge to go to jury. What how that's going to make the jury huge, right? Yes. Like what? So it's going oh, to be 11. Oh, Unless God. a couple of people are given additional votes, and then it's going to be oh, thirteen. No. Uh, oh, I don't know. I'm pretty sure the uh, the Edge of Extinction jury, I think, was thirteen as well. So I think I think Ron makes a great point that I think they saw like the big OTT Jerry Springer crowd reactions from the big mm-hmm. jury and wanted to like fill right. the the seats because this cast is delivering on entertainment. So I guess they want oh, people to, yeah. even though they also have Rob and Sandra to do that as well, who are doing a handy job of it already. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking about that. That the does the jury get their own box or do they just sit in the normal seats? No, Rob, Rob and Sandra get like the the special you know uh, box seats with like the nice buffet and everything. Yeah. I think the jury's down in like the cheap seats. You right, know, they have, they right, have to right, put right. up with the cold while they're watching the game. <laughs> okay. Well, one other thing I wanted to um, talk about with is I, I don't want to interrupt if you guys. Oh, please a, go ahead. Gonna go. <laughs> um, I think I, I guess I'll take over this podcast. One thing that I want to talk about <laughs> I love um, it. The B and B has I, become the M and H. Yes. Oh, that's that's got a nice ring to it. Um, is is this idea of Island of the Idols staying secret? I was so confused why in the B in the first episode why Elizabeth kept it secret. And then I was so like, I'm like, why is no one talking? They're going to find out. And then it'll be like all these people lied. Mm-hmm. I'm not totally sure I understand the, the reasoning behind not sharing unless the Island of the Idols, unless Robin Sanders go away at a certain point and other players just never know that they were even there. Hmm. I kind of assumed that there were some rules against it, but then didn't Elaine and Elizabeth talk about it? Yeah, yeah like well, I, I wonder if it's, Boston. it's it's like it's the secret IOI club. It's like Fight Club, you know. You right. you mm-hmm. you're, you can only talk about it with the people that are in your club. Uh, but I I also wonder, like, I do feel like maybe in another season, if this did you know get divulged some people i may be like how dare you nora how dare you elaine not tell me what happened but honestly this cast is full of like people who are pretty good natured about things in addition to like Mm -hmm. being trying to at least be hardcore gamers so like i do wonder how much of it would be like game respects game and be like i would probably do the same thing i understand let's move on I guess I just don't understand why, though. I I don't understand. It's it's, it's to get that reaction that we got from Janet this episode. It's it's to get someone going oh. there and for everyone to it's it's to have the big reveal happen. You know, I think it would be a little got bit it. of a fizzle if you go out there and they're like, Rob and Sandra, they're like, oh, yeah, I knew you guys would be here. You know, like right. that's when you put in the sad trombone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Um, speaking of Janet's reaction, that little moment before she got on the when she said i'm scared broke my heart (laughs) it was such a vulnerable moment and was so i just wanted to wrap my arms around her and give her a big hug (laughs) and from Um, janet of all people too 
I know. Yeah. Yeah. This is what an episode for Janet. Like we saw uh, so many. We saw a lot of her in many ways, uh, but <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's great because I we saw her, you know, making fire in the first episode. Super badass. We saw her sort of help plot the Molly blind side in the second episode. But I feel like outside of that, we really haven't seen her that much. And I mean, I, I tweeted this out, but I believe she either is tied for or has set the record for the oldest woman to make the merge in Survivor history. Wow. And Janet's like Janet's a killer. Janet's awesome. Yeah, I'm so happy cool. that she really got this like big episode to really highlight her right before the merge. Yeah. Yeah, she's amazing. Before we move on to more fun and games, we're going to take a quick break to listen to a word from our sponsors. And we are back, so let's keep on keeping on. Well, amidst all this conversation, uh, we're going to we're going to do what Mary has been really itching for Rob and Sandra to do. You're, it is your turn, Mary, to don the arm bandages of Sandra and the cap of Boston Rob to, to teach oh. us something. Uh, I, I'm very excited to see what you have prepared for us this week. Well, I thought long and hard about what I could teach you guys, and I'm just going to draw from my life for the past year, which which has been it's funny you you brought up adopting a puppy, Liana, because I did adopt a puppy almost a year ago. She was two months old. And so this past year has been training and raising this puppy, which has been one of the hardest things I've ever done. Um, and so I it, so it's so much of my day to day life is working with her, training her or, um, or dealing with dealing with her. (laughs) She's wonderful, but, but it's a handful. And so, um, so I thought that the lesson I would teach you guys is how to house train a puppy. Oh, I love this. (laughs) Me too. Um, so first things first, you get yourself a puppy Congratulations. Oh, okay. Good. Good. First thing to note, important. (laughs) First thing to note is to get the dog. Um, And really what it's about is the idea is you don't even give the dog an opportunity to go inside the house. So unfortunately, what that means, especially for very young puppies who have very small bladders, every hour, hour and a half, two hours, you're taking that dog outside. And that means even in the middle of the night. So my fiance and I, we, uh, we took shifts, um, those first few weeks of like, who would get up at two, who would get up at four, who would get up at six. And you take that dog right outside. You take that dog (laughs) right outside (laughs) and you have treats with you. And you, as she the first few times you do it, you know, she, she's not going to know what go potty means or whatever language you want to use. But when she goes out there and she's sniffing around, she finds a particularly smelly spot and she starts to go. Then you as very calmly, because you don't want to uh, distract her or interrupt her. You say, good potty, good potty. (laughs) And then when she's finished, you give her a treat. So you're reinforcing the behavior of, oh, Oh, when I, when I use the bathroom outside, I get a treat. And then, uh, so yeah, so you don't give her an opportunity to go inside. Also a big important part of house training is crate training because dogs are, are den animals and their instinct is not to, um, shit where they sleep. Mm -hmm. So, 
So you get a crate. Uh, if you're getting a large breed dog, then you'll you'll want a bigger crate for when she gets bigger. But most crates come with dividers so that you can um, expand the the size of the crate as she grows. Uh, and so when she's small, you want it to be just enough room for her to be comfortable and get up and turn around and, you know, have room, but not enough so that she can go do her business in the corner and then sleep far away from it because that then she'll just do that. And she doesn't want to be near her pee or poop. So, so <laughs> did you, uh, I didn't realize I'd be, if I chose this lesson, I'd be saying pee or poop so much. <laughs> no, no. I mean, this is perfect for the B and B. I'm so excited by this because I mean, this is, this is a perfect survivor comparison uh, because I mean, first off, uh, I don't think survivors have the luxury to not sleep where they pee or poop. Uh, but I think the fact is, conditioning someone to be in an alliance with you is not yeah. too dissimilar from house training a puppy i think yeah. especially when you when you don't know them just like you don't know the puppy well mm. and there's an aspect to to house training as well that i think has great bearing on uh and and it really makes sense in the context of survivor is if if you do if your dog is she's not in her crate it's during the day she does have an accident inside what you do is you interrupt the behavior. Like if you catch her doing it, if she's mid P basically, you make a, a sound to interrupt her, not to scare her, but just to interrupt her. You <laughs> swiftly pick her up, bring her outside and have her finish doing her business outside. And then, you know, reinforce with good potty and a treat. So what you're doing is you're, you're interrupting the behavior you don't want and you're redirecting it which i think i think is very applicable to survivor uh and how alliances work where you you maybe interrupt a line of thought or uh, a move move that doesn't serve you or that you don't want to happen and you redirect it so you're you're not punishing and you're not um you're not disciplining them for for doing not to compare people to dogs, but <laughs> you know, you're not disciplining them or getting mad at them or or making them feel scared or unsafe. Uh, you're just gently redirecting them to do the behavior you want them to do. Um, and then eventually with the puppy, what what she learns is, oh, I go outside. That's where I go. And yeah. uh that's then it's it's really magical how they just learn that after a while like she hasn't had an accident inside in months and months so Ooh. it's been it worked so i i think i really like this uh for either idol hunting or strategizing with people that you don't want your allies strategizing absolutely with. so like never giving them the opportunity to do it just don't let them do it in the first place and then if you see them strategizing with an ally that you know you don't want them talking to you just go over you pick them up you carry them back to the beach and then you give them a treat right there on the beach i think that that's really important so i think you you like hoard some papayas or maybe some like breadfruit or something so the tribe doesn't know or like a nice stinky fish so that you have these treats to give the person and you and you say what like good alliance or good voting uh Maybe maybe that's like the proper way to condition someone right at tribal council too. You know, like when you see them whispering, you step in, right? You delay them. Right, you don't push even them. Let to, them do it. Yeah, you yeah. push them to the corner, and you're like, "Listen, you don't vote where you whisper, okay? Because once right. they do that, you're going to get conditioned, and you're going to keep whispering." Sit. Yeah, I Sit, also stay. 
<laughs> stay with the alliance. Yeah. I think Boston Rob, in fact, uh, did this exact same method where um, the season that that he won, where he his alliance was so loyal to him, and it was like part of the rules that he had established was you do not strategize with the other players. The, they are your enemy. I will keep you safe. He didn't. Get, he didn't allow them the opportunity to. Mm-hmm. To uh, to do that, which I yeah, I think is such a an important part. I love it. I love it. Yeah, key keys to winning Survivor. Essentially, the same book as Doggy Potty Training. <laughs> yes. Oh boy. Uh, again, I just want to reiterate. I know puppies aren't people, but it's just fun. No, this is the the official stance of the B and B is that puppies are indeed people. That's that's the hill that we are going to die on here. <laughs> I have made this pitch so many times for Big Brother, but it can be applied to Survivor. When someone gets voted out, replace them with a puppy. Okay, oh, this season will get way more interesting. I mean, isn't that sort of love Edge it. of Extinction? Is like they're That's they're going true. someplace else, like they're going into their crate for a little while. <laughs> yeah, and then you let one back. <laughs> All right, you can come sleep in the bed with us, Chris Underwood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, let's start getting into our games here. And I want to go back to this tribal council because, like I said, so much happened. Such important discussion on top of just pure malarkey happening with the actual outcome of the votes. And to break it all down, we're going to play a game. Speaking of Big Brother uh, from the Big Brother Parlance that is called Before or After. And here's how it works. Basically, we're going to go back and forth between the two of you, Liana and Mary. I'm going to give two events that happened in this tribal council And you have to say if one happened before or after the other one. If you get it right, you get a point. If you get it wrong, Zilch gets nullified by Dean's idol. And we'll see who has the most points at the end of this. How much were you paying attention to all the craziness from the last third of this episode? Oh, man. (laughs) Well, Liana, let's start with you here. Did Rob and Sandra fist bump before or after Jeff officially started Tribal Council? Ooh, I think it was when they sat down. So I'm going to say before. That is correct. Yes. Boston Rob being a poor man's Courtney Yates, where Sandra did that actually at the beginning of the 2010s was her and Courtney fist bumping. And now she ends the 2010s with her and Boston Rob fist bumping. (laughs) What was the best fist bump of the decade? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It has to be Sandra and Courtney because uh, at least Sandra was in on it. Uh, and because Courtney announced it, like you saw, like if you take that frame by frame, you see like Rob sort of awkwardly offer his fist up and then Sandra go into it and they both sort of like he explodes and then she follows his lead. Like they didn't it, they, it was cute because it wasn't practiced, but you could tell that like they they were not as in sync as the rice and beans of it all. <laughs> yeah, well, at least it wasn't Aaron and Jason where one of them just left the other one hanging. So. <laughs> oh, so uncomfortable. <laughs> all right, Mary, this one's for you. Did Nora explain that her and Jamal are big personalities before or after we see a worm crawling on Jack's buff? Oh, my God. I don't even remember the second event at all. (laughs) This is my Mandela effect. There was no worm. (laughs) Yeah, right. I think that happened after... I'm sorry, it happened before. Uh, so yeah, Nora Nora starts doing, and I love just Nora's inclusivity of like her getting really 
uh, personal with Jamal. Like, I think it's very lucky that, you know, and I'm maybe not lucky considering that I know they definitely uh, determined the seating arrangement at the Tribal Council for a specific reason, but that Jamal and Nora were sitting next to each other because, like, she was leaning on him like she was in a production of Newsies and being like, we're big personalities. And then as they're talking about this, it cuts to Jack, like a close-up of Jack, and there is a worm just inching across his buff. Oh. Oh my gosh. How symbolic. <laughs> like the worm of death. Well, well wasn't no. there the thing where yeah. it was like if a if a bug lands on you, was it a butterfly? Well, there's not like a thing. Yeah, well, Steven talked about how a, a a butterfly landed on the war dog uh last season. But there was something I feel like where like right before someone got voted off, like a bag worm fell on them. Uh I think like one tribal council something fell on Jeff Varner before he got voted out. So I mean in this case, Kelly was the early bird and she got that worm and Jack. Okay. <laughs> nice. All right, Liana, back to you. Okay. Did Jamal press Nora on plotting against him? Before or after she explained that the opposite of hate isn't love, but indifference. Oh, God. Um, uh, before. Sorry, it was oh. after. Uh, Nora went through her little, you know, her indifference uh, dialogue with Dean, which, again, irony of ironies that her and Dean end up voting together when she literally says, like, <laughs> I do not give two shits about Dean. Uh, and then right after that, Jamal brings those, the things back to the subject at hand is like okay wait i want to go back to this thing where people said you were you wanted to vote for me and you didn't deny it <laughs> yeah oh. but like oh but like that though <laughs> oh i loved and i love nora just deflecting before she had I to know. finally admit it. like so many non-answers from nora she's amazing <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah. Well, Dean is sitting here, and and we're all sitting here. Like, <laughs> yeah. You're just stating facts, like, well, we're at yeah. tribal council. Yeah. <laughs> all right, uh, Mary, this one's for you. After Kelly's impassioned speech about the double standard in women's alliances, does Nora cheer for her to quote let it out before or after Kelly apologizes for said rant? Oh my gosh. I think that was after. That is correct. Yes. Oh, uh, Kelly true. sort of uh, does her own moment of inspiration with that speech right afterwards says, oh, I'm so sorry, which girl, don't apologize. You did an awesome job. But then Nora supports her by going, woo, yeah, let it out, Kelly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. That Nora is the woo girl. And I love it. Mm -hmm. Yes. yes. Le Liana, did the conversation turn to the, quote, seismic cultural shift in the way we view gender? Before or after Jamal prompted Jeff to ask Nora if she ever thought about a woman's alliance. Oh man. Um Okay, I think I remember that happening later. So the wait, the Jamal stuff happened after. The Jamal stuff happened second, is what you said. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, that is incorrect, Aww. unfortunately. Uh, Jamal, I mean, that's definitely not what I meant. J Jamal uh. Uh, did play charades <laughs> with Jeff Probst for a hot second. Uh, and I do love, like, uh, it, it was it was so a little funny. bit of snarky Jeff Probst to, like, completely mimic his hand motions. But I know, I know. But he did ask Jeff to ask Nora about the Women's Alliance uh, before Jeff then did the whole, uh, this is Survivor speaking about society today deal mary i love 
Wait, I just, I love this idea of, Jeff, can you tell Karishma that I'm mad at her right now? <laughs> exactly. It's like, the, I'm not Jeff speaking like to her. Yeah. <laughs> like, Jeff's like, I did not sign up for this. I didn't want to be the mediator between the family feud going on right here. Yeah, yeah. Mary, did we see Sandra comment on one of the Lyra women's speeches before or after Boston Rob did? Uh... So they both commented on the speech, but did yeah. Sandra speak before or after Rob did? Um, I think she spoke after. I'm sorry, Sandra oh. went first. Sandra said uh, exactly in the middle of Karishma's oh. uh, microcosm argument. And then after Janet's big speech, Rob said, well said. Well said. Uh, yeah, so, well said. Yes. And so I, I really do think that Rob's taking the lead from Sandra when it comes to like speaking out at tribal council. So I think since he knew like, okay, it's all right to speak about this. Maybe he felt he had the clearance to be able to speak. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Liana, let's go back to you here. After Janet's speech, does Janet tell Kelly she loves her before or after Kelly gets emotional saying Janet's message should be a lesson to take away from this game? after that is correct hooray it's a cute little long distance love moment between the two of them yeah yeah that was actually really i mean i know you talked about this earlier but you know the to see these two women at the opposite sides of tribal really bonding over something that was it was really nice to see very special all right mary as the tribal council discussion concluded did jamal talk about how he was quote beaming with pride for the women in front of me before or after Jack said, just because he writes someone's name down doesn't mean he doesn't value their relationship. That was before. That is correct. Yes, we got our yes. final. It went uh, Jamal, Jack, and Kelly were the last few to speak. Uh, and mm-hmm. essentially, like Jeff vocalized, a very awkward pivot from uh, all this very fantastic societal speak to okay now we also have to vote somebody out especially considering how brutal the blind side was itself right yeah really (laughs) all right liana when the votes were being cast did karishma cast her scathing vote for dean before or after nora reassuringly touched jamal on the knee <laughs> I feel like she reassuringly touched him on the knee several times. Um, uh, I think it was before the vo- Okay, I'm going to go with the Karishma thing happened after. So the vote was after. That is correct. Yes, okay. actually, it's one right after the other. Nora, again, says they can't talk during votes being cast. She just put a hand on Jamal's knee. Maybe that inspired him to play the idol on her. Uh, and then we get to see Karishma just completely tried to eviscerate Dean only oh, to discover God. that she missed every single shot she took against him this episode. Right. <laughs> so embarrassing. I actually have, um, I was thinking about this, why Jamal played it just very quickly, why, why he played the idol for Nora. And I, uh, upon rewatching, I, it's because he, he and Jack told Dean they were voting for Nora. So I think he really thought Dean when he played his idol, had written down Nora's name. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why I think he did that. Yeah, I think the bigger question here is, okay, like, so I, I can understand why the Nora, like, Mary, that logic all makes sense. I think the question for me, though, is why would he care about protecting Nora? 
if Nora, you know, hates him, which I guess this goes back to the conversation of, you know, hate is better than indifference. Um, and that, you know, you see, like Cass talked about this, the body language that maybe they're closer than we're seeing. It's more like a sibling rivalry where it's like they really love each other, but, you know, we're yeah. seeing them fight. So, yeah. Also, and I also think Jamal knows that she, he, it, by doing this, will secure her loyalty. True. Yeah, true. Also, I know I'm, I'm speaking amongst comrades here. Every time Nora talks about the opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifference. For some reason, my mind went to rent with the opposite yeah. of war isn't peace, it's creation. <laughs> I love that. Which, like, I feel like Nora could be living la vie bohème. I know she called Janet a free woman uh, that likes to traipse around yeah. naked, but I yeah. feel like Nora could be a part of that. She, oh, she would dance on tables for sure. We know she loves dancing. <laughs> exactly see she'd, she'd be part of like she would she would totally be part of that cast like try to recreate love ebo i'm at like this poor diner that's just trying to you know keep up with 20 people at once yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right uh let's see I, I think this is mary yeah this is mary uh mm-hmm. all right does sandra say holy shit they got all kinds of idols before or after rob says that jamal made a mistake playing the idol on nora she said that before. That is correct. Great. Ooh, nice. <laughs> so decisive, too. <laughs> yes. Yes. I was. And if I had been wrong, that would have been really embarrassing. <laughs> uh, yes. Mary, do you have an opinion on, you know, again, we're speaking about Robin Sandra's sort of role. It's so interesting watching them in the booth because I would say a good 75% of the time they're wrong about what's going to happen. Is it mm-hmm. supposed to be that, like, they're the audience analog and it's supposed to show how much of a surprise it's supposed to be to us? Like, or they are they showing that they're not ranking the right moves in what they're doing? What What is your take on that? That's that's what I can't quite figure out. And I think that's why I'm I'm craving a little more commentary from them. Even during Tribal, I, I want to hear them like like we do when we watch and we're discussing with whoever we're watching it with, like, Oh, they can't do that. Cause that, you know, like that's what I'm, I'm confused about is, and that again is why I'm like, what's the point of them being here? Are they just, are they here again? Are they just us? Just like react. Are we just watching people watch survivor? Yeah. Essentially is this, the, is, this is one big react video of a season. Right, right. Um, yeah, I don't know. Because I don't know how much they know about what's going on in the game, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't, or, or not that I've seen, I wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, they know what's a good move and what's not a good move because they, they really, they've got their finger on the pulse here. They know everything that's going on. They're seeing everything. I don't know that they are. I feel like they're just kind of on their island and then come and watch tribal. So it, I don't know that I would trust if he's like, that's not a good move. I, I mean, I happen to agree with him. I think it was a mistake to play the, the idol for Nora, but, um, but I don't know that I'm supposed to like trust what they say when they say something's a bad move or not. Cause I don't know what all, all they're seeing, mm-hmm. I guess. of mm-hmm. Yeah. What's happening. Um. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Of tribal, I mean. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Uh, all right, Liana, let's go back to you here. After Jack gets voted out, does Janet hug and apologize to Jack before or after Jamal tells him, "quote I tried, buddy." Uh, after. That is correct. Which Jamal? Look, 
uh i know that we, we talked through your word choices here i don't i, I mean did you try i mean i guess <laughs> i guess in him playing the idol on nora he tried to really to your point mary like wipe the votes clean but i mean i guess maybe the the ultimate degree of trying would be to use the idol on jack though i guess yeah. i could understand maybe if, if, if there just was a crazy confusing read going on at the time yeah yeah, what was the, you know, again, to, to Mary's point about like, oh, they're going to vote for Nora. So he tried to essentially, you know, I guess, save all of them. <laughs> yeah, I guess he was trying to like, because the assumption, I think the common uh, judgment is that, okay, all the votes would be nullified. And then all the, you know, everyone who voted for Dean would probably vote for like Karishma, maybe as the mm -hmm. other Lyro option. Maybe there was just going to be another random name that popped up amidst all the chaos. But yeah, I guess I tried, but he was like him not only speaking to Jack, but like all of Vokai. Like, I wonder if Janet went out, if Janet got those two votes, if he would have said the same thing. I, I just, it stuck out to me because like that was his closest ally. And God, poor Jamal losing his two closest allies pre-merge. Yeah, and I, I think that's also maybe why Kelly went for Jack is because that is the way to weaken Jamal even further. Mm -hmm. All right, Mary, this one's for you. Does Nora apologize to Jamal for wasting his idol on her before or after Jack nearly burns himself with his torch before it gets snuffed? <laughs> uh, before. I'm sorry, it was after. No! Yeah, it was after after Jack walked away, Nora decided to, surprise, surprise, touch Jamal's knee and say, I'm sorry you, you wasted your idol on me, which is unintentionally savage, given the fact that Nora voted for Jack. I know. Yeah, it's so good. Like, if Abby Maria said it, you know it would be completely scathing, but because it's Nora, it's totally unintentionally shady. Uh, I think she was legitimate, like, oh, I, I, I feel so sorry that you did that, when, like, she directly contributed to this outcome. Right, right, right. <laughs> also, I could, I did not realize until my second time around that Jack nearly burnt himself on his torch. He's the second person to do so after Nora. Well, I saw him slip right when he went to go put the his torch in the thing yeah, for so Jack Probst's yeah, snuff. What happened was I thought he slipped too, but what happened was the torch I think slid down further than he thought it was going to, and the fire nearly got near his buff and his hair and his and the worm, uh, and so he uh. like dodged out of the way to not <laughs> light his hair on fire and get a haircut before going to Ponderosa, and then he apologizes to Jeff Probst. <laughs> I like to think that the worm is just along for the ride. <laughs> exactly uh that's, that's why they kelly gun from is because they're a package deal well mm -hmm. congratulations liana by a score of three to two you have mastered the before and after but you both did an admirable job of all the craziness that went down in this tribal council yeah, yeah. plus maybe it's a handicap with the worm question because Thank like, you. neither of us remembered that at all <laughs> That's Jack's legacy in the game now. I think, uh, you know, the poor, poor guy, I think uh, he had a big story to be told that I think, unfortunately, we didn't see a lot of. I think the Ponderosa video really sheds a, a, light, a lot of light onto his situation and just how awesome of a guy he is. But, yeah, I think uh, he might be known as Worm Guy for some time after this. Worm Guy. Not bad. Or his nicknames go. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I don't know what the Pretty scale good. is. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, okay. Well, actually, speaking of names, I was hoping we could take an opportunity to rename the advantage that Janet could have won on the Island of the Idols. It was the safety without power advantage, which, mm-hmm. come on, like, let's yeah. talk about branding. It's pretty garbage. Um, so, so the way that the advantage works is you get safety from one vote because you remove yourself from tribal and it's good till the final seven. So seven people remaining because safety without power one is too many words. And also to say like safety without power, I mean, who would take that anyway? You know, even just based on the brand, right? You want to try to get people to take these advantages. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, but there's no power, though. So, you know, do you really want that? Um, So I don't know if we have any ideas, because to me, just the whole thing, I think, is bad. Safety without power definitely sounds like an an alternative electronica band from the 80s. Yes. (laughs) Safety without power. Um, I would suggest maybe... Um, the back door advantage, maybe, maybe oh, that's good. <laughs> like you get to leave through yeah. the back door <laughs> and then you window, but yeah, uh, the back door advantage or the rear exit advantage or, um, yeah. Or, or like, or like the fire exit advantage. The fire exit advantage. That's good. Yeah. That's the, good. the event of an emergency, like head towards the big, big blinking red sign at tribal council. <laughs> you can sneak out the back. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had because the 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 advantage like officially titled the one that Elaine used last episode was called block a vote. Uh, I came up with skip a vote. Okay. Mm. I also uh, thought of non-voter privilege. <laughs> we got to stay woke. <laughs> exactly. Like so much privilege going on in Survivor. Got to talk about these non-voter privileges of yeah, you're safe. That's a that's great, but you also can't vote at the same time. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I like the fire escape advantage. Plus, also That's somehow like we're working fire in there, you know? Yes, yes. <laughs> well, I like that actually. Like, you can skip this vote, but you have to make fire first to get out of there. <laughs> yeah, of course. The survivor will work in making fire to every single element yeah, of like, the game. Like, somehow. there is there's a big uh, like cage of bamboo that's between you and the exit from tribal council, and you have to burn through it to get there. Oh. Right. Fun. The opposite of the fire escape. Um, but yeah, just like the whole, I, I'm sorry, I was just so caught up by without power advantage. It also just seems like an oxymoron. <laughs> like, yeah, this is the jumbo yeah. shrimp advantage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, the advantages have been so interesting. You know, uh, when I talked with Jeff preseason, he did allude to the fact that it wouldn't just be idols that were out there. And so far, we've seen, you know, I think it was uh, three idols. We had two. Uh, block a vote and we had one safety without power maybe we should go back to idols i don't know i don't want there to be too many idols in the game what sandra is referring to but like they workshop the idol for a reason i think they're really trying to like uh bring a lot of ingenuity to this and realize that yeah the, the pilot program uh you know don't put out your beta to uh to launch day you know like workshop it a mm-hmm. bit first well, what do we think, regardless of how terrible the name is, of the actual advantage? Because see, like hearing Janet work through it, it almost felt like regardless of your situation, there might be more uh, cons than pros in this situation. Because even if, I don't know, I mean, unless you're really truly on the bottom, like you're removing yourself from something that seems so critical to the game, which is tribal yeah. council, you know? Yeah, yeah it's, know. A, it's, a, it's a good point. Uh, and I mean... I don't know. I like I like the idea if only because 
my favorite survivor twists and advantages are the ones that put the choice in players hands and i mean this is a big choice right aside from even just the ability to play and i don't know looks like they were playing jacks with boston rob or something if she did want to play the game uh but this idea of like okay risk reward you can sit out a tribal council but at the same time you can miss out on a vote and what janet vocalizes to your point leon is like they could really need my vote and then if I'm not there, A, it could screw over one of my allies, and B, it could really get me in trouble with everyone else because it wouldn't have happened yeah. if, if I was there. Uh, so I, I, at least I like the idea of it, but I do wonder, to your point, like, like if Dean had it, he would use it, but I don't know if anyone else would have gone for this at this moment on that tribe, you know? Well, the other thing, though, is that you could use that advantage up until there are seven people left. So, so it actually could come in handy to her at some point or to, to someone else. Um, but, uh, but definitely the, the immediate, her immediate needs were definitely outweighed mm-hmm. potential. Well, well, and that was kind of Boston Rob's point was, oh, but this could really benefit you in the future. Yeah. You know, which so, that, that scene was so interesting to me because it reminded me so much of the end of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, <laughs> where Willy Wonka admonishes poor Charlie Bucket and his grandpa Joe for, you know, drinking fizzy lifting drink and scuffing up the ceiling. And then after he like reams out Charlie and Charlie just sort of stands there, he says, Charlie, you've won. You've done it. And like, that's what I feel like happened with Boston Rob, where he's like, this is the deal you need to take. She's like, I'm not going to. And he says, that's exactly what you should have done. I'm so proud of you. Here's my, here's the factory. You get the island. Yeah, you, this whole factory is yours. Um, that's really funny. I like the comparison of Boston Rob as Willy Wonka. Yes, that is very fun. Yeah. Oh, I mean, my- could you imagine like a top hat with a, a Boston Red Sox B on it? Yeah. Right, and he like the little top hat. Yeah, you think is am I wrong or has Rob led every single one of these lessons? I know there was the one where Sandra did the army crawl thing, but it feels like Rob is like today's lesson is this. Well, I wonder if it's because they feel like I mean it's interesting to see like where they shine. And Rob has talked about this. Uh, our Rob, not uh, Robbie Wonka, where you know Sandra <laughs> really shines when she's like in response to something or someone. Yeah. So she really has been like the leader behind the reactions at Tribal Council, uh, and she's been a great TA, much like Jamal was uh, with that West African dance class. But I wonder if like oh, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if Rob is sort of like maybe a bit of a better person to like be the one giving out the lessons. He's gotten a bit better from the, you know, reading from the note card that he was doing the first few episodes. But I wonder if Rob was more keen to sort of like take on that direct mentor role while Sandra's more the person to be like, okay, Elizabeth, let's go off and make fire. You know, like they're Mm -hmm. sort of playing, even though they're ostensibly the same role as a quote unquote idol, they're sort of playing different roles within that title. Right. Right. Yeah, like, I guess the more color commentator, <laughs> you know, the one who's leading the lesson, I suppose. Yeah, though um, I will. Now I have the image of Boston Rob's children as the Oompa Loompas, and I can't get that out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be so funny. That's a Halloween costume Amber, idea. What would Amber be then? Who uh, is Charlie Bucket? <laughs> <laughs> the grandpa? No, a- no, know. Amber is uh, is Slughorn or Slugworth. Oh, right? yes, of she's, course. Of she's course, the mole. She's the mole. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Well, uh, let's move on to the next game that I have prepared a, he said, she said a game. So this is going to be about some pretty funny quotes that were said, um, during this episode. Uh, and the way this is going to work is, um, this week in survivor history rules. So I will give you the quote. And then if you can guess who it is right off the bat without the multiple choice, you get two points. Um, if you want the multiple choice, then you only get one point. Um, no opportunities to steal. Okay. So we're just playing this straight. Okay. Uh, so, okay. So, yes. So, do we have any questions before we get into he said, she said? Uh, so, this is all, this is not tribal council stuff, right? Because I feel this like I would have an unfair advantage. I would yes, have an unfair, I, <laughs> unfair safety without power advantage. That's right. The worm didn't say anything. There are no <laughs> quotes from the worm that were included. Mary, the uh, worm said everything if you looked hard yeah. enough. Maybe maybe that was the thing is that the worm is Jack's brain worm, like the brain slugs from Futurama and like was I, dictating Jack's game. And Kelly wanted to get rid of it before it took over the rest of the tribe. <laughs> yeah, that are very ratatouille, given the fact that it was in the buff, you know, pulling yeah. oh, the hair. Yeah, worm a Jackie. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. So, yes. Yeah, so these are all quotes from the episode uh, without tribal council involved. Okay. All right. So, Mike, this first quote is for you. My stomach is doing flip flops. So my stomach is doing flip flops. Oh. You can guess outright, or if you'd like, you can get the multiple choice. Oh, I'm I'm gonna play it safe right now. Play safety without power. I'm gonna do multiple choice to start. Okay. A Janet, B Elaine, C Dean, or D the reward chicken, aka the <laughs> the red one, the one that's Tommy. Oh yes, the one that, the one that may or may not have a dick. Uh, I think yes. they still haven't figured that out yet from last <laughs> week. Uh, oh, see, Janet was on there. That was my first thought, especially when she goes to IOI. See, I would say like literally any other week was Elaine between like the swap and, and going to IOI on her own. But and Dean is too much of a cool customer to have his stomach be doing flip flops. Detective Dean does not roll like that. He doesn't even wear flip flops. He wears Nikes. Uh, so I'm going to go with Janet. Yes, that's correct. It was Janet. Uh, it was when she was going or got to the Island of the Idols. OK, Mary. This quote is, I'm so over Jamal. I'm over his face. <laughs> oh, I without a doubt. That's Nora. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely Nora. I'm over his face. And then again, cut to tribal council where she's like, you know, we may bicker sometimes. Like, you know, you said you hate his face. Right. <laughs> yeah, over his face. I just love that as an insult. I'm going to start using that. Um, okay. Mike, this quote is for you. Good ass move, Elaine. <laughs> oh, see, that sounds like such a missyism. You know what? It kind of sounds like an Aaronism, too. Oh, there's oh, God. It's one of those two, because I don't think Elizabeth, good Rhode Island girl Elizabeth, would ever say ass. Uh, Olympic hero Elizabeth Basil. Uh, I feel like. I feel like Aaron said it. Yes, that's correct. And the multiple choice wouldn't have helped because I did have Missy on the list. I mean, it does like if you say it, it does sound more like a Missy phrase, though. It was, I guess. No, Missy would have said dope ass move, right? True. Decently dope ass move. (laughs) Okay, Mary, this next quote is for you. This is all about looking for the size of the coconut. (laughs) I mean, it's got to be Jeff Probst. 
That is correct. It was Jeff Probst during the immunity challenge. Okay, can I ask you guys, by the way, because I actually uh, I have a question coming up that sort of alludes to this, but what have been your thoughts? Have we done one too many basketball challenges or basketball based challenges here in this pre-merge? Yeah, it's been a lot. It has. It's been a lot of basketball challenges. I don't know if they knew that because isn't it? I mean, who who's played basketball, right? Didn't Dean play basketball? So yeah, Dean played collegiate basketball and actually in high school oh, as wow. well. He went to school specifically for it. Missy played uh, basketball in the Air Force while she was attending officer school. I believe Tommy still does it, though. I don't know, like professionally. I believe Jamal may have done it in high school as well. Yeah, so maybe they knew. <laughs> They're like, okay, maybe that was the alternate theme of the season was, you know, basketball versus bocce ball. <laughs> uh, um, okay. my, one of the favorite challenges they did was the teeter-totter one where they had to like yeah. wind around. I loved, loved that one. I thought that was so fun. Yeah, that was really fun. And then having to balance everybody and like get the yeah. person back and forth. Oh, imagine really if they good. had to shoot a basketball then. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Okay, Mike, uh, this is for you. Do you know how to flint? Yeah. Oh, that's absolutely Janet, because I remember that she turned flint from a noun <laughs> yeah. into a verb. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's correct. I, I also would have accepted Jamal because of his response back. That was like, come on, Mama Janet. Like, yeah, they literally parroted her response back of, do I know how to flint? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, I, lo- I just love that, like, now Flint has, maybe, again, it's the involvement of the fire-making challenge and the fire-exit vote in that, like, now it's just completely superseded any parts of speech. And now, like, you you Flint, he Flints, we Flint. We- <laughs> right, how do you conjugate the verb properly? <laughs> okay, Mary, this is for you. Okay. I'm just completely mind-blown. This is crazy. I'm just completely mind blown. This is crazy. Okay. Okay. Here we go. I know who it is. That's the thing is that I know who it is. So I'm just, just talking right. through it just no, for fun. Of course. Oh, thank of course. you. Thank you, Nora, does. providing a non-answer. <laughs> um, you can have the multiple choice if you'd like. Yes. Okay, I'll do multiple choice, yeah. Okay. A, Kelly, B, Dean, C, Jack, or D, Chris Underwood? (laughs) I think it was C, Jack. Oh, I'm sorry. It was Dean. (laughs) It was when when Kelly comes to him with the whole plan of this is what's actually going to happen. And he was completely mind blown. All right. So I think we can officially chart uh, around like the 17 day mark in Survivor. You just lose all grasp of the English language between do you know how to (laughs) flint? And I'm completely mind blown. Yeah. So. (laughs) Um, Okay. Back to Mike. Put the thing in. Oh, that's Tommy. (laughs) Yeah. That is Tommy pulling his best Shia LaBeouf. Just do it. Hulking out, screaming at the top of his lungs. Put the thing in. He is so dramatic. After the challenge ends, he just like completely lays down on the puzzle and is like slamming the puzzle with his arms. Well, maybe he wanted to make sure the piece went in like because the other one was sticking out. So he wants to make sure that they actually won. Oh, it was crazy. It was so crazy. Between that and also like uh, earlier on when he tries to pull off this plan of like, you know, trying to throw Dan under the bus and turns out that no, they want to target Tommy. And I love Lauren like slapping some sense into him 
uh, pulling mm-hmm. a share in Moonstruck and being like, snap out of it, Tommy. And it, like, you yeah. see Tommy like start to cry. Like, this is a very different side of Tommy. It was a nice moment of vulnerability. Like, speaking of, you know, the larger cultural conversations that are happening and dealing with toxic masculinity and how men are not encouraged to show their emotions. And I thought it was really beautiful that Tommy was, was uh, so in touch with them and that, you know, although I, I guess Lauren did kind of shut it down, but she was like, stop that. <laughs> or she said right. something along those lines, but it, but yeah, I thought that was a, a nice moment from him. All right, Mary, this next quote is for you. I knew the old Vokai were going to have sour grapes and be butthurt. Elaine. Yes, that is correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was coming back from Tribal. Yeah. Mary, I, I want to ask your thoughts about Elaine, by the way, because I mean, there's so many standout characters from this season. Yeah. But I feel like if you're looking at quote machines, uh, intentionally so, I think Elaine is, is sort of at the top there. Oh, yeah. Elaine is fantastic. She's she is so cool. Um I love, yeah, I love her. I'm a big fan. Yeah, the little busted can of biscuits line is still <laughs> like I was. I went to the grocery store and saw the biscuits and just laughed <laughs> like yes. a crazy person. <laughs> but I, I loved, I loved that quote though from Elaine because like it, it was very much like, and I don't think she meant this, but it was very much like troll talk of like, mm-hmm. uh, lol, butt hurt, you know, right, GG, right, right. <laughs> right. Yes, sour grapes and butt hurt. (laughs) Okay, all right, Mike. Let's see what the little boatman has to say. (laughs) Wow, size shaming the boatman. Let's see what the little boat. Obviously, it's a member of Lyra. Let me get multiple choice here. Okay, so was it A. Dean, B. Janet, C. Jamal, or D. Tata the Bushman? Oh, Tata makes a surprise appearance as the little boatman. Uh, he's looking in the mirror asking that. So I guess the, the thing is, was, and also this is very twish with your joke D answer, Liana, by the yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. Um, that, that was what I was going for. So I guess the big thing is, was Jamal using his own size to make the, the statement? Or were Dean and Janet sort of like self-deprecating due to their own statures by calling the, the boatman little? I'm going to say Jamal. That is correct. It was Jamal. It was one of those lines that had to be, um, they ADR'd. had to put the subtitles out for. Oh, I don't know if it was ADR, but they definitely put the subtitles for it. Um, Cause I missed it on my first rewatch or watch. And I was like, did he say, well, let's see what the little boat man has to say. <laughs> like, what? Yes, he did. Yeah. Okay. LB, LBM might be an MVP of this pre-merge just from all the schlepping he's had to do back and forth. I know, like this guy's, uh, you know, gotten a lot of airtime. He's been driving everybody around or boating everybody around. I don't know what the proper verbiage is for uh, for boating. Pa- captaining? Yeah, cap- well, I'll just say li- officially, boat. Li- Little Boatman can stop by the B&B anytime. He can park his boat here at our <laughs> pier and he'll stay free of charge. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the score right now is eight to six. So Mary, if you guess this one outright, you can tie things up. Okay. So this quote is all the limbs were everywhere. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> oh my. All the limbs were everywhere. I think that that 
was, I'm going to take a big swing. I'm going to say that that was Lauren. Oh, I'm sorry. It was Elizabeth talking about Dan uh, being handsy. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that conversation. I couldn't remember that she said that. Dang. Yeah. Which one? Yeah. No, that was a good guess, though. Um, yeah, it was like, oh God, I'm uncomfortable. I know. When is it? I, this has to be, it is going to get called out and dealt with at some point. Oh, I think so. I think we're building towards something for sure. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. I hope. Yeah, <laughs> All the me too I mean, Kelly, once again, I remember Kelly having a conversation with him when they were on the same, um, island or the same tribe together. She, mm. she, you know, She's really doing a great job of voicing these these issues. And it, yeah, that was like the love languages thing, right? Yeah, and it, yeah. it's it's pretty crazy though to like again this pre merge has been so whack that the person who said I'm a germaphobe, I feel uncomfortable on Survivor on day one in the premiere, now made this baller ass power move in the last episode yeah. of the pre merge. Like crazy arc for Kelly so far. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I forgot about all of that. Me too. All right. Well, congratulations, Mike. Um, You have won the quote game, but that's okay. So, you know, Mike got to go out there and interview everybody beforehand. Ergo, he has an unfair advantage to any type of game where you know these people. So, Mary, you are the true winner of this game. Thank you so much. I'm really congratulations. I'm I'm excited to finally release my tell-all interview with Little Boatman. He was by far the person (laughs) I spoke to the most from that island. Your BFF. Your, it would have been your winner pick, yeah, of course. BFF LBM. Right. <laughs> I wanted to talk about, I don't know if you guys watched the secret scenes this week, uh, but there's one fun one from Lyra where they went crabbing. I think it was Dean, Jack, and Kelly. And Jack starts singing a crabbing song uh, and just like a little ditty. And this is when, again, another reason why I was hoping we'd see more of Jack is because Jack reveals that in college, he was in a hip hop R and B acapella group. Whoa! <laughs> oh, what? And he was in show choir in high school. Well, I knew he sang. He sang acapella on the exit interview with Rob. Yeah, it's just I cannot imagine Jack Nickting performing. I don't know, like uh, back at one, you know, like as part of a hip hop R&B acapella group. Like I did acapella and we did not venture into hip hop R&B whatsoever. We did not get close to the R or the B. (laughs) Yeah, I would have loved to see if anybody can dig up those videos. You know, I'm sure there's some performances posted online somewhere of his uh, his acapella group. Well, what I wanted to ask is on that note, I mean, do we think there are any sort of like college extra uh, extracurriculars that could benefit you in Survivor? Like, can we look back at our respective collegiate experiences and think about like, okay, there were some clubs there that actually could help you in the game of Survivor, whether it's bonding or survivalism or anything like that. I mean, well, outward bound a thing outward, uh, or was that in high school? I don't. That's like. Uh yeah, that isn't that like where you just like go out into the woods and stuff and like yeah. bond or something. <laughs> I think I think that is survival skill. Club. Okay, 
Yeah. Yeah. The, the first one that I thought of was, uh, but Angelina and her debating skills, you know, if you were in the debate club, perhaps that could be something. Cause we all know, especially actually, no, now that I think about it, the fact that you can barter with Rob and Sandra mm. as Kelly demonstrated, although not on purpose, um, that you might be able to get more for an advantage. Like maybe that's a skill that you want to try to hone. So then is there like, a, I don't know, like a young merchants club or something? Like, how do you learn bartering skills specifically? <laughs> I assume that was covered on debate club, but <laughs> I guess not. Uh, young entrepreneurs club. I don't know. Is that a thing? Um, I don't know. I Another one would be probably uh, psychology, some sort of uh, psychology club. <laughs> <laughs> Um, or even therapy i feel like not that it's its own club but i I think therapy is. could you imagine Uh, like i went to a lot of therapy in college so i know how to break these people down therapy club talk to people or ask people what get people to open up like um yeah i think that could be really what what conversely though what's the least helpful club that you could join in college for survivor like uh you know the indoor club yeah absolutely (laughs) like i think uh any sort of like role-playing game involvement uh i think uh ultimate frisbee might be up there because it gives you a deeply seated like competitive attitude but with little athletic ability to match (laughs) or like quidditch the quitting, yeah, the Quidditch club. I don't know if LARPing's up there. Um, let's see what oh else. Oh my god, could you imagine a LARPer on Survivor? Oh, I'd be, I'd be totally here for it. Yeah, I would be too. They should do an all LARPing season. But you, have to, but you have to come to the island in costume. Yeah, of course. Yes. And your oh, your here. tribes are like, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, <laughs> your tribe, you're all the same, you know. Um, from the same world and then you're competing against a tribe from another larping mm. world or I don't know. Get on the phone with Jeff right now. I, I'd like to talk to him. I have an idea. Um, oh. I was, I was part of the whiskey club when I was in college. That seems pretty useless. How legitimate <laughs> was that club or was that just, Not Hey, let's very. find an excuse to drink whiskey. Yeah, it was more that, although we were technically officially sanctioned. Um, How? But, I mean, I went to a liberal arts school. Okay, you know, (laughs) a lot of anything goes. We had a bacon club as well, which, you know, fell into the same preview. We actually did a lot of joint meetings out of collaboration, of course. (laughs) Mary, do you think someone who was in a college improv team would do well on Survivor at its basics? I I really do. I I think there's a lot of uh, things you learn with improv that would really help i mean not just thinking on your feet but um and you know taking things moment by moment but also just you learn how to be a good listener and uh and you make choices and um yeah i think i think improv would be a a really helpful skill to bring to the island um and then also hopefully you're funny and people like you. <laughs> so with that logic, what do you think would be better if they brought out two improvisers as the idols or if Rob and Sandra taught improv classes? Rob and Sandra taught improv classes. I, I, I need to see that right now. <laughs> well, really, the Vince thing where he was army crawling and having to crawl under the logs and all that stuff. That was a classic example of a yes and. Like, yeah, <laughs> right. He was just going for it. He was going for it. 
I I personally I think they could they can moonlight as like they are sporadic enough, spontaneous enough people that I feel like they could. I mean, I mean, if you look at it like like you said, Mary, you know, power of listening, making snap judgments. These are pretty applicable to being in improv scenes. Yes, yes, for sure. So like maybe maybe those skills can carry over and some survivor players can be able to make their way into the improv world. If you know, if uh, being an Instagram influencer is failing you. Just go into comedy. It's just as lucrative. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, let's finish things off here with the uh, final segment of each and every week here on the BNB, the question of the week. Last week's question of the week in honor of Jeff's proclamation that everyone eats donuts uh, while watching Survivor. What is the optimal snack to have while watching Survivor? As per usual, we're going to read all the answers from our listeners and then give our own thoughts as well. Uh, first from Jonathan Troyer, the best snack to eat while watching Survivor is unsalted fries from your favorite food chain. They're made fresh when ordered unsalted, and you'll get all the salt you need from players complaining that people had the audacity to lie to them on Survivor. <laughs> oh, it's also just a good hack, you know, to know to order them unsalted yeah. so that they're fresh. No, yeah. How much of a pain in the ass is it, though, to ask for unsalted fries? So I guess they, they just like pour that little like uh, canister of salt on top of them to finish them off, right? I do not know. <laughs> you didn't do fast food club with your whiskey club? No, I, I did not. I must have missed that day. Uh, John John, I'm very intrigued to hear about this, Mary, because uh, we know John John. He's part of our community. John John likes to post every week, you know, his Survivor, what we call snack chat, what they're having during Survivor. John John likes to have what's known as a shrimp ring. Uh, just like one of those thing, you know, things you pick up from the supermarket, just like a ring of shrimp with cocktail sauce. And so he writes the typical snacks for Survivor always need to include shrimp. What are your thoughts about the inclusion of shrimp in a Survivor snack, especially on a weekly basis? Huh. The inclusion of shrimp in a Survivor snack. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That, that's how we all feel, Mary. Okay, good. Yeah, I, that's, I don't know that that's something I agree with or condone. Um, interesting. So, so this <laughs> is seafood, right? So, with the head, it is seafood. So I don't, I don't know if that uh, helps right. or hurts. Right. Yeah, I guess that's the question as well. And not to, you know, we still have a bunch of answers to read through. But I guess the question is, do you go in the direction of like what they're doing or do you purposely eat something that, you know, they're not able to enjoy at the moment? Hmm. For me, it's definitely the latter. Like that's how the, the, not to get ahead, but my question, my answer to the question of the week is the exact same thing that I do while watching The Biggest Loser, which is eat the things that they're not allowed to eat <laughs> or supposed to eat. Yeah. I don't know why something vindictive in me makes me do it, but now, you know, I'm trying to be a better person. So maybe I'll eat the rice and, you know, oh, the little tiny piece of shrimp. Yeah. On the scale of a puppy to saying something nice about someone, that's definitely near the former. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess that is my impulse too, is to in, in, indulge in the things that they're deprived of. Um, just because it makes you want them. You're like, oh, yeah, burgers are good. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I have access to them, unlike these other people. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, Vina Marie says the perfect snack to eat while watching Survivor is popcorn at T-Bird Cooper knows. So, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, we, we hear many times about, like, get your popcorn. They make coconut popcorn on the show. I mean, I feel like popcorn is always like a nice, light thing. Uh, I know that. Do you want to get fancy and like season your popcorn with anything? Uh, the salt that you get from the uh, the players complaining about people, right? I think I just imagine somebody like holding a bowl up to the TV, trying to collect the salt as like you know uh, all the vocais are butt hurt about the fact that Jason's gone. Yeah, collect <laughs> the tears. Uh, Kubi says, for every premiere and finale, I make a super fancy dinner with a dessert. Been a tradition of mine for ten seasons now. That is so interesting to me. Like a way to both begin and end the season with a giant feast. That's um, really. I am available for dinner <laughs> uh, at those times. So I would yeah. say. Speaking of feasting, I like the idea of having a feast while they're having the the um, merge feast. Well, that's that's the thing though is that like the one time they do have a feast, Kubi doesn't have one. It's only for the premiere and the finale. Right. <laughs> I guess it's like only one feast can exist between the two shows, between the Survivor yeah. and real life. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Uh Kirsty McKenna says pizza is the perfect meal to eat during Survivor. What do we think about that? I think remove during Survivor, pizza is the perfect meal to eat. <laughs> yes, pizza is perfect. But with a caveat, if it's if it's pizza from Survivor, is that is does that help or hurt things? Oh, hurts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that does, would hurt. Does it come with sitting out in the Fijian sun for hours, or is Ooh. that a special order? Yeah, no, you have to get that specially custom made. That's what I specifically asked the fantastic chefs in Fiji when I was there. Like, I want the authentic experience. You don't want to go spear fishing. I want to run a challenge. I want to eat pizza that's been sitting out in the sun at the equator for eight mm -hmm. hours. Like, mm -hmm. give me everything. <laughs> yeah, I. The thing too that that I, I agree that pizza is a, a a great food to eat while watching is that um, it's so you don't need plates really you don't need silverware you can you can you know you sit on the ground and eat it or you can sit it, you, it's perfect for just watching Survivor and talking and like moving around and uh, it's very mobile pizza is very mobile. Mm, okay, so mobility is something we want to to bring in here. Like, you can't have like foie gras, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the least mobile of foods, as we yes, all know. of course. Like, obviously, foie <laughs> yeah. gras is the most sit down food, much like Applebee's is the best sit down restaurant, according to Karishma. Uh, speaking of pizza, Mandy Billing says for premiere and finale nights, pulling a kubi here, the kids and I get a large Hawaiian pizza. Parentheses, don't at me. Pineapple does go on pizza. Garlic knots, cookie pizza. Wine for me and a two liter of Sprite for the kids. I realize that now I should have read that in lascivious Jeff Probst's voice. Right. Wow. And garlic knots. Oh, <laughs> Cookie yum. pizza. Sounds great. That does sound good. Uh, Parker yeah. Schibler just says, insert Keith screaming, rice! Well, that's if you're trying to match what they're eating, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the one for one. I don't know. I feel like there's just something about like maybe rice to me is a bridge too far of like eating rice while watching Survivor. Like I also uh, associate rice with like having the stomach flu. So like I don't want to ever <laughs> eat rice on its own unless I'm I'm in that state. <laughs> I okay. Uh, does That's anybody else have that association? Flu. Uh, not an association that I make, but okay, sure. <laughs> 
I think maybe because sure. I had the stomach flu like three weeks ago, and all I could eat was rice. Like that's that's the the thing that sticks out in my head most recently. Uh, Dan Sinensky says the most authentic survivor meal is a stew of whatever you can forage for or catch in your neighborhood. That may really depend on your neighborhood. <laughs> like I would worry depending on where you live. Oh my gosh! The only things I would catch would be um, smog, uh, coyotes. <laughs> Yeah, I guess it's like a smoked, a smog smoked coyote. Yeah, a true LA. With Liana, what about you? What what do your uh, what does your neighborhood have to offer in terms of culinary value? Oh God, uh, there's a lot of empty food wrappers on the ground. Um, <laughs> there's some some wild uh, squirrels, so I guess I could go with some squirrel meat. Okay, that's that's something. Uh, mm-hmm. I live in New Jersey. So I'm sure I could find some meatballs on the street or something. Toxic waste. I don't yeah, know. Exactly. Like I just like get a cup of river water and poison myself that way. Have to go back to the rice with my stomach virus. Right. <laughs> uh, so next. So uh, let, let's go around the horn here. So Liana, you alluded to it beforehand, but what, what is your survivor snack of choice? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it can be usurped if you get a reward in there. But I mean, really, any type of food that they're not allowed to have while on Survivor. Ice cream is really good. Mm. Anything very decadent. Stay away from rice, fish, coconuts, mangoes, fruits, that type of thing. You know, really go all out and just be like, (laughs) suckers, while you're eating the food. Uh, Leon, that might lose you some points from your puppy adoption in terms of doing nice things for people. Well, I'm not going to get into the good place now. <laughs> yeah, the balance is off as the teeter-totter challenge. Uh, Mary, do you have any thoughts about uh, an optimal survivor snack? I really am partial to chicken wings. Mm. Ooh, that's a good one. Oh, chicken wings, yeah. Because then, then I, I still feel like I'm having the survivor experience. I'm eating with my hands. I'm getting messy. But at the same time, it, it's, a, it's a, a meal that I wouldn't be able to have on Survivor unless I want a reward. So. Yeah, I, I really, I think chicken wings is what I'd go with. Or if you're really good at killing those chickens. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah. yeah. And frying them and, you know, breading them and <laughs> getting them all <laughs> ready to go. Yeah, maybe maybe actually uh, no collegiate extracurricular is as valuable as like a part-time job at KFC is optimal to prepare for Survivor because you, you know what to do with those chickens. <laughs> yes. Uh, I personally would go with, uh, do you guys know about Gorp? Oh, yeah. Like for hiking. Yeah, like trail mix. I think that'd be fun. Oh, it's yeah. Like a, it's like a, you know, a Survivor reference as well. Shout out to the great Julie McGee from Survivor yeah. Sam Aldosar. But like you can mix in some chocolate and peanut butter. Another Survivor reference. I feel like it's outdoorsy enough for a show that takes place entirely outdoors to make you feel like you're there while simultaneously you get some sweet you get some salty like you do with all of these contestants. It won't fill you up too much to make you, you know, really revel in uh, your gluttony as these contestants starve themselves. So I, I feel like it's a, you could, you could throw in a lot of things, you know, it's as variable yeah. as an alliance. And it feels very thematic. So I like that too. Yeah. Like if you make a survivor theme party, I think like you can make some customized gorp depending on the season. Right. Oh, that's fun. I like that. Like oh man. The- Edge of extinction would just be salt. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Just a big, just pour salt on top from all those fries. Uh, yeah. I guess you could, I don't know what else, what else you could throw in there uh, to to account for Edge of Extinction, uh, but that was pretty much it. Maybe like I don't know something to represent Rick Devon's idols. Uh, maybe like write some news items. 
on them mm-hmm. uh, to to encapsulate his journey. Actually, light it all on fire because that's the how the season ended, and also what people wanted to do to that season by the end of it. So, yeah, right. <laughs> so the question for next week, we actually spoke about this beforehand, but you know, we created the Ron Clark rule book last season here on the B&B and Kelly spoke about how there is sort of like an IOI secret club between all the people who have gone to, to the Island of the idols. And I want to see if we can create a rule book here, uh, you know, collaboratively as a community. So send us a rule. It will be officially canon to the rule book for the IOI secret club, whether or not that gets divulged this coming week. You have a bunch of ways you can reach that out to us. As always, tweet it to us using the hashtag RHAPBNB. You can email it to us, RHAPBNB at gmail.com, or you can respond to any of the ways it's going to show up on the Internet. But for now, Mary Holland, it's always a delight to have you here. Uh, the complete opposite of having a worm on your buff. Uh, oh, if, thank if, you. If people want to check out what you may be doing or any other puppy housebreaking tips uh how can people follow you on social media or check out any projects you've been involved with recently yes um i post about shows that i'm doing or um uh anything that's going on on my twitter at mholland85 or on instagram at mary hollandays nice anything you have uh recently going on as we reach the holiday months here oh boy um let's see what's happening um well i mean if if you're in the la area always come out to ucb i'm there every weekend pretty much and then um as far as what's coming up uh i mean nothing that that will be out in the immediate future but if but stay tuned because there, there will be some things happening oh this is like a next time on mary holland we're setting up right. something down the line next week <laughs> exactly. Well, Liana, how's everything going with you? What's your social media handle? And uh, how has it been getting back to the podcast grind this week? Yes. So you can follow me on social media at Liana Boris. Uh, the Masked Singer was back this past week, and so was our podcast. So Puya Zamvakili and I broke down the latest double episode, including the two unmaskings that we saw. Um, trying to remember that the season existed after a two week hiatus, but it's it's so much fun. Bad guesses from the judges fun all around and then i was also a guest on rob and akiva need a podcast as the uh, quote-unquote paula abdul third judge <laughs> to judge all of these hot takes so far the reviews are in and seems to be pretty positive so definitely check that out if you're interested in some uh, some hot takes now two to your paula abdul role did you revisit the whiskey club and get you know properly prepared before going on to the <laughs> podcast no i didn't uh i gotta remember that to really truly just uh, method act i guess my role is paula abdul i can imagine you like coming back for homecoming and being like all i'm here for is whiskey club where's whiskey club meeting yeah, yeah right i don't care about any of you guys just give me whiskey club uh you can always follow me at a mike bloom type if you want to hear me talk more survivor i had the great pleasure of appearing on the survivor brothers podcast with the great fox van allen uh, of tvguide.com got to do a fun tv guide podcast about this week's survivor we broke down all the craziness that went down as the worm turned on this season. You can check that out at any podcatcher of choice. Of course, I'm always going 
Down the Hash with Josh Wiggler. We just released a podcast of Lost Season 1, Episode 13, called Hearts and Minds. It's a weird episode of Lost. There may, may or may not be siblings kissing in it. We get into it all. There's a lot of fun stuff going on there. And we also are going to be talking a little bit of Lost with the great uh, Jack of the Jay and Jack podcast, infamous Lost podcast. So spending a lot of time on the island in multiple directions. You can also always check out my work on Parade.com. I got to interview Jack and something that I am very, very happy that I got to do. Uh, you know, we spoke about the conversation between Jack and Jamal from last week. I had the great opportunity to speak with Jamal some more this week about, you know, some more uh, of his thinking behind that conversation, what went on in the moment, how he has responded to a lot of the feedback and community response from that scene. I mean, that is still to me is one of the greatest scenes, at least in modern Survivor, let alone the show's history. And I'm so glad it was highlighted. And I think Jamal, as per usual, just did a great job of talking it through. So be sure to check all that out. There's going to be plenty more where that came from, especially as we move forward to the merge. Uh, and next week, we are going to get into the merge. It's going to be a double episode, and we had to bring on a big person to do that. So, Mary, your friend and mine, Jessica McKenna, is going to be returning to the B&B to break down this double merge episode. Uh. It's going to be exciting. I'm very jealous to be privy to that conversation as it's happening, but I'm so pumped to listen to that. There should be a lot going on in so many ways, and I can't wait to get her thoughts on the season as well. Like we said, I mean, especially with Jack just going, this could open the game wide open. There's a lot of different groupings of this game where where places can go. So, I mean, for all the, the roller coaster ride that we've been through yet, like I feel like we've only been under and over the first couple of hills. You know, we haven't even reached the big drop yet. I know it's crazy. What's well, going to happen? Only the survivor gods know. And maybe Jeff Probst uh, depends on how, on how that, maybe that little worm and maybe that worm, Aww. maybe the worm is the key to it all. We shall see by the time this season concludes. If you guys have suggestions for games uh, for us to play here on the B&B, you can always suggest them to us. Uh, longer term games, you can always email them to us. Thank you to the people who have done so so far. We greatly appreciate it. We just really appreciate you guys listening to us in general. I, I have had so much fun with this season. The really important conversations that have gone on along with the really kooky characters and things that have happened. So I know we've been really enjoying ourselves. I hope you guys have been enjoying us as well. Special thanks to Scott Sampier for editing this behind the scenes. Our head writer Paul Oselson and Will from America for our theme song. We'll be back next week with Jess McKenna to break down the double merge time episodes of Survivor 39. But for now, we'll check you out at your next day. Mike and Liana, yeah, they're playing some games. You pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. Sounds cool, I can tell you the name.